Hello and welcome to Conversation 6. My name is Ryan Haas. I'm a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Ali Wine, a senior analyst with Eurasia Group's Global Macro Practice, where he focuses on US-China relations and great power competition. Ali also is the author of a forthcoming book that everyone should check out on how the United States can best respond to rising competition from China, Russia, and others. Ali, let's jump right into this conversation given the limits on our time. I know you've thought deeply about the causes and consequences of deteriorating relations between the United States and China. Many other analysts have taken to referring to this relationship as a new Cold War. Is the Cold War a good frame for understanding the nature and direction of the U.S.-China relationship? Ryan, it, 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 as always, it's such an honor and a privilege to be talking with you, and, and I, I really appreciate the kind plug uh, for, my, for my forthcoming book. Um, so my short answer is that we, of course, need to learn from history, and there is much that we can and should glean from the Cold War period. But I, I think that we have to be careful about some of the limits to the analogy. And, and I would point to a few limits that I, I perceive in the analogy. Uh, you know, first, I think that China's present economic heft and technological capacity vastly outstrip those that the Soviet Union possessed, even at the peak of its power. I think that China is far more embedded into the post-war order than the Soviet Union ever was. Uh, third, for all of the talk of, I shouldn't say talk, for all of the talk and increasingly the reality of accelerating disentanglement between the United States and China, the two countries nonetheless maintain a very high uh, residual degree of trade and technological interdependence that Washington and Moscow really didn't possess. Um, I also am not sure that present geopolitics lends itself as neatly or as readily to spheres of influence. I think that America's allies and partners have made clear that they don't want to participate in a new Cold War, they want to balance their relationships uh, as necessary with Washington and Beijing. Uh, and just lastly, and this list is hardly uh, exhaustive, but one, one other important difference, I think that the United States and China today um, have a far greater number of shared national interests than the, uh, than the United States and the Soviet Union did during the Cold War. So those are some of the differences, I think. Fascinating. Uh, another term that gets a lot of ink these days is the concept of great power competition. Ali, can you help us understand what this term means, and is it useful or illuminating for understanding American strategy towards China today? So, at least as I understand it, and and there isn't a uh, there isn't sort of a shared canonical definition of the term, but at least based on on what I've read and based on conversations I've had, I, I think most observers would say that great power competition, on balance, it. It denotes military, uh, economic, diplomatic, and other forms of contestation between the United States on the one hand and China and Russia on the other hand, uh, principally China, but, but China and Russia. Um, and it's contestation, multifaceted contestation to influence both the character and the trajectory of the post-war order. Um, the, the, the point that I would try to make is, that, is to distinguish between great power competition as descriptor versus prescriptor. And that is to say, descriptively, I think that great power competition certainly gets at an important element of contemporary geopolitics. The question is, prescriptively, what should the United States do? Um, I, I tend to worry that the United States, in hewing too closely to great power competition as an orienting framework for its foreign policy, uh, uh, runs the risk of pursuing a foreign policy that is unduly beholden to China's resurgence rather than merely informed by it. And I think that it's imperative that as Washington contemplates its vision, uh, not just its unilateral vision, but a vision that it would pursue uh, in 
uh, in conjunction with its allies and partners, that as the U.S., uh, the United States contemplates that vision for a more resilient post-pandemic order, uh, it really should try as hard as possible to fashion a strategic vector for itself that doesn't depend upon an external competitor. And I would also say that that point obtains uh, for what it does at home. So as the United States thinks about how it should go about renewing itself at home, restoring the power of its democratic example, how it should go about repositioning itself uh, repositioning itself abroad and repairing its longstanding alliances and partnerships, it should think as hard as possible, how can it renew itself at home, reposition itself abroad without having to reference or uh, invoke China? And again, uh, China's resurgence, just given China's scale and given China's conduct, China's resurgence can inform U.S. foreign policy. It should inform U.S. foreign policy. It must inform U.S. foreign policy. But there's a difference between informing America's uh, pursuit of a more resilient post-pandemic order and dictating uh, U.S. Uh, behavior in the world. One, one other idea that's gotten a fair bit of attention recently is the idea of uh, organizing the world as democracies versus autocracies. I know our time is limited, but what do you see as the, the strengths and limitations of that view? I would say that the main, the main element when it comes at least to the United States and China is, is one of competitive uh, coexistence. Uh, it's an idea that uh, I'm heartened to see that you know, uh, Kurt Campbell and Jake Sullivan, they articulated this notion of competitive coexistence in uh, foreign affairs in late 2019. And in the new issue of foreign affairs, uh, both Yan Shui-Tung and Wang Jisoo have, have adopted this notion. And I think that that notion is, gets it exactly right. Uh, the United States and China have to accept each other as enduring realities uh, rather than as competitors to be vanquished. And they have to figure out how to forge their way towards a competitive coexistence. Thank you, Ali. Thank you.